Is your business plan very unclear and you're tirelessly working at a low-paying career? Let's help you get out of the rut and let go of the fear. It's time to excel into the million-dollar stratosphere. Now, here's your host of The Balanced Millionaire, who will take you there, Eileen Mendel. My name is Eileen Mendel, and I'm the host of The Balanced Millionaire, and we're, our show is designed to help business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives reach their highest potential while living a high quality of life. So tonight, I'm really excited to have our special guest on the show, Dr. Gary Epler, and I'm going to give you a little bit about his biography, but it's just, he's so accomplished that um, I will let you, let him tell you more about that in the interview, all the things he's done. But let me just uh, give you a synopsis. He is an internationally known Harvard Medical School medical doctor and a professor at Harvard. And he's written a new book called Alive with Life, which is a medical doctor's guide to live your best life. The book is a health and peak performance guide to how to live the, your best life, including your the meaning of life, happiness, positive communication, and 10 health practices to achieve a high level of happiness and meaning in your life and social interactions. He also uh, was responsible for discovering a rare lung disease called BOOP and uh was is internationally known for that. He's also an entrepreneur and founder of a C and CEO of three companies, a biotech company, nutraceutical company, and a medical risk management company. Gary also has time in between all his these things to coach soccer, basketball, hockey, baseball, and club baseball at Boston College. He has been recognized since 1994 in the, as the, one of the best doctors in America. Welcome, Dr. Eppler. Would you like me to call you Gary or Dr. Eppler? Well, I mean, uh, whatever you like. Gary's fine. Uh, that works. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I, I just enjoyed reading about you and, and seeing all the active things that you're involved in. You're a living example of how to live a full life. I just feel like um, you're it, That's and it. Um, you're the role model. I'm it, us. and I'm it. And the, and the concept of this balanced millionaire, I mean, that, that, that's what life is about, is, is make your millions, but in a balanced way, and, and, and have that high quality of life. And oh, do I have that figured out. It, it's the best. I mean, every day is just fantastic. So how did you arrive at, I, I know you did a lot of research on, um, on this topic, how did you arrive at these um, key elements or things that are are very beneficial to living that full life? And, well, and how, did, how did you get there? Yeah, there's 15 of them. Five of them have to do with well-being, and then there's 10 health practices. 
and, and they're science-based. Uh, they're all science-based, and they have not only that, they have uh, outcomes. Uh, for example, using one of them uh, will increase productivity by 40%. So it has all the science and, and the outcomes. And I, I arrived at these 15 through my teaching and taking care of patients and uh, giving uh, seminars all over the world. And, and I, I learned what, what, what successful people do. Uh, I picked up their habits. And, and in my clinic, this, this boop, this lung disease that I discovered, uh, I found out which patients do the best. And those are the ones that live these 15 uh, principles. And that's, that's really the basis uh, for, this, uh, for these 15 principles and for the book. So would you be able to share tonight what these 15 principles are so that we can understand how to take care of ourselves better? Oh, absolutely. Let, let, let's start with the first one. It's, it's a happiness. It's simple as that. It's just happiness. What is your happiness level? And, and this is probably really one of the most important ones, especially to have a balanced life. Have a balanced life and, and be successful in business. Uh, happiness level. And you need a scale of 0 to 10. You need an 8, a 9, or a 10. If it's below five, if your happiness level is below five, you may need external help. That, that's that's bad <laughs> below five. On the other hand, if it's a six, uh, you got to fix it because here's what happens with six, a level six. Um, and the reason you end up with a, a happiness level of six is something's happened, something pretty drastic. Uh, you've gotten fired, lost your job. Uh, you uh, make uh, you spend more money than you make. Uh, you've lost someone that, that you love. Something really drastic has happened. That sends you down to level six pretty quickly. And you realize when you're at level six, you have to do something. You cannot stay there because people don't want to be around you. And the very people that are going to be able to help are the ones that they don't want to be around you. You're, just, you're miserable even though you don't know it, even though you don't realize it. And so you've got to get back up to eight to ten. And, and, and so how do you do that? How do you get from a level six to a level ten when the absolute world is falling apart? And that's when you need to do it. So what are some of the te techniques or methods that we can use? And maybe, um, you know, without going to a therapist right, right. to help ourselves get to that level uh, 10. Yeah, well, uh, here's, here's, here's what I did. <laughs> I, uh, I uh, got on the treadmill. I wasn't on the treadmill, but I, you go into alpha, alpha rhythm, I call it, um, alpha brainwaves. It's meditation. Uh, and you think, well, how am I going to get point 0.1? All you want is point 0.1. You're at 6, so you want to only get point 0.1 because you can't go any more than that. What's going to give you a point 0.1? And I said, well, how about being grateful? Being grateful for what you have, that will give you a point one. And I said, well, okay, being grateful for the house, grateful for my car, grateful for my uh, other material things, that doesn't work because they all cost you money. <laughs> can't be grateful for that. But you can be grateful for someone who doesn't take anything from you. Because when you're in that level, everything that you, you, you you lost your job, you don't have any money coming in, and every, it feels like everybody's taking things from you, taking your energy, taking your money, taking everything. And, and so you think, just, is there someone in my life that's not taking anything? And it turns out that it may be your wife, maybe your husband, uh, maybe a friend, 
uh, maybe a coworker, maybe somebody at work, but somebody is not taking anything from you and they only give. And, and that, that's just being grateful for that person. It's amazing what that will do. That will give you the point one. And, and try to be maybe grateful for someone else and you got point two. Uh, and and it, it goes from there. And then you have to have another one. You need another point. You have to have point three to get really where you want. So you can really, really get desperate. And you say, and this, this fellow uh, Franco uh, in, in, in World War II, what did he do to survive those horrible events that he was in? And it turned out he was grateful for just being alive. And I said, well, gee, what, a, what does that mean? What does it mean being grateful for being alive? It was too much for me to understand. But it turns out being grateful for being alive, you get to do some things. Number one, you get to be creative. Nobody's going to take that from you. You, 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 can, uh, you, can, you can have love. Nobody's going to take that no matter what happens. You can be creative. You can have high energy. Uh, again, these are things that you can have without money, without anything. So you have love, creativity, high energy, and you can have extraordinary people and, and all of those things. And that's, that's where the point, just being grateful for that. And so there you got 6.3 and then you just keep thinking and you keep going and you get yourself back up to 88.5 and you're golden. It sounds like um, in this day and age, um, people forget to be grateful and they, they're taking things at face value or taking them for granted and don't real and, and they don't think about like in the rest of the world, a lot of people don't have easy access to clean water oh and to, you know, to beautiful um, environments. And, you know, there's so much that we should be grateful for. Right. And so there it is. And, and so the happiness level. So you get that. And really what happiness means is being content with what you have at that moment. And as I say, things can be falling apart. The world can be falling apart. You have to learn how to be content Yes, you're going to try to improve it and try to get better. But in the meantime, you have to be content and get that level of happiness up uh, so that you can move forward. Because if you stay down there, level six, level five, you're in trouble. And it's just not going to go anywhere. And, and, and it was like people. You mentioned people all over the world. Some of the happiest people have nothing compared to what we have. They, they, they live uh, in a hut. And they live in a community. They live uh, in, with, with friends and with family. And they're happy, smiles on their faces uh, because they're content with what they have. So that's number one. And it's interesting because we, we're we so um, wrapped up in the media where we're trying to compare ourselves with the celebrities oh. and our neighbors mm. and everybody else. And we don't really look at, well, you know, aren't I lucky? Here's what I really do have. And, you know, they don't realize, like, when you when you look at social media and you see just happy things, that those are just moments in time that everybody experiences ups and downs. And, you know, be appreciative that, like you said, even that you're alive or mm. that you can, you can um, walk around with a lot of people don't have that, uh, you know, ability to go. do that. So it's, it's, there's so much... But you just have to look for it and proactively, you know, be aware of what it is you do have. There you go. You do have to. And that, you know, you mentioned 
comparing yourself. And that's number 15, it turns out. Number 15, you have to be yourself. You have to be your true self. And this is a discovery. It takes quite a while. You're in your teenage years. Uh, you're in grade school. Well, you're not yourself. You're who your parents want you to be, your teacher. You go to grade school, go to high school. You're who your professors, your teachers want you to be, who your friends want you to be. And then you get a job. Well, you're, you're not yourself again. You're who your boss wants you to be. And if you're not, you get fired. And so all this, all this time, the 10, when you're teenage, 20s, 30s, you're, you're kind of just being somebody else wants you to be. And you're not yourself. And then you throw in society wants you to be a certain way. Uh, and, but somewhere along the line, you, you, you free yourself of that. And you don't compare yourself with anybody. You're just you. And it's a phenomenal feeling. It's a feeling of freedom. Uh, a stress is gone because you have no criticism. You have no blame. You don't blame anyone. You have no criticism, no excuses. It's just you. And it's a fantastic feeling. And that, that kind of goes along with what you just said. No reason, no need, no need to compare yourself to anyone else because you're you and you just enjoy life. <laughs> so that just sort of fell into number 15 there. Be yourself. And I love that because when we're really young, we're taught that we have to like please the teacher, please our really? parents, really? Come, home, come home with an A on the report really? card. Yep. I mean, it's it's all ingrained in us, and we have to reverse that. Yes, you do. Like you said, it's it's um something that should never have happened in the first place. Yep. And now, you know, as you get older, like you said, in your twenties and thirties, you're realizing you're living to please other people. Yes, sir. And you're not really pleasing yourself. Yes, and it's stressful, and it's confining. It's like being you're imprisoned. I mean, you really are, and so it's just so wonderful. And free yourself. Oh, it's the best. So there you go. That's that's one of the that's one of the fifteen. And so we're going back. We've got the happiness one. The next one is have meaning in your life. And and that that that's so key is have meaning in your life. That means just something outside yourself. And, and the best way I, I look at that is uh, it, it I, I kind of use it for countering anger. Uh, right now in the United States, uh, there's there, there's a sense of anger. People are angry. For it just it just seems like there's too much anger in the United States, and that's just not going to lead to anything good. Uh, and, and from a personal standpoint, it's chronic anger. It, it it causes stress. Stress causes cortisol release. Cortisol release causes inflammation, and inflammation of those beautiful blood vessels going to the heart and going to the brain. And if heart attacks, stroke, causes diabetes, and even causes cancer, all from stress, which is from anger. And so you need to neutralize that. You have to neutralize anger so that that doesn't happen. And in order to neutralize anger, anger means, definition is, something's been taken from you. That's the definition of anger. That's why people are angry. Something's been taken, and it's been taken in a personal level. Not a very nice level. It's just, you know, it's getting angry. <laughs> you can't help it. And it's okay. It's just that it needs to be neutralized. The way you neutralize anger is the opposite and equal reaction. Opposite and equal action to anger. So anger means something taken away. Do the opposite. You give. You give your time. 
you give your energy, you give your help, you just give. And it absolutely neutralizes the anger. And anger has another component. It says it's been taken in a personal way. So you need to neutralize that. You need to have that equal. And that is you give without anything in return. You give without expecting nothing in return. No thank yous, no money, no votes. <laughs> just nothing. And, and it just absolutely neutralizes uh, that, uh, that anger. And that's what I mean by meaning in your life. And you just, just help someone. Just give your time, give your energy, uh, volunteer for community, a friend, uh, or, or people. And what makes me think of when you said when you said that anger is a big part of stress. And I, in this day and age, I just feel like a lot of people feel trapped in their situation. And is that just a mindset of feeling trapped? Like if they feel trapped in terms of, you know, let's say a man is the breadwinner of the family and he's got two, three kids. He can't easily change jobs. He doesn't know if he's going to make the same salary, be able to support the kids. You know, there's a feeling of, you know, I can't get out of this situation. And that creates anger. That creates stress. Yep. Like you said, and that creates health problems. Yes, it does. Oh, that's exactly it. But it has to be neutralized. That particular stress, that stress. So a person is in that situation, and there is no stress if they're able to make enough money to do all the things they do. I mean, there's no stress. But if they feel they're not making enough money for the, to take care of the kids and take care of the house and the cars and, and all of the things that you need in life, uh, that's going to create stress, uh, and and that has to be neutralized because it will it will cost. It, there's a too big a price to pay for that. Would you would you advise then uh, looking for volunteer opportunities, or would you advise that person to um, perhaps even change, switch careers? You know, maybe they're not suited to the career they felt they were suited to at the very, very beginning. Yeah, that is uh, that's sort of like uh, how do you manage burnout? <laughs> it's just sort of the same out. What, what is the cause of burnout when people burn out at their job? They just don't feel like going to work. They don't feel like doing anything. Uh, and, and the first thing to do is find out the cause, the exact cause of that, uh, and then do the opposite. Uh, and in this particular person, if, if the cause, what is, why is this person really so stressed? Uh, is it because they don't have enough money? Is it because uh, they can't send the kids to the to the best school or they can't private school or something? whatever the cause? They need to determine the cause. That's the first thing. And then once that cause is determined, do the opposite. And sometimes the opposite is the volunteer. It's crazy. It sounds nuts, but just give. <laughs> just give your time, and, and something will happen. Something will. You, you may, may feel better about the situation, even though nothing has changed. If nothing else, you'll feel better about it. Uh, and, and so that's doing the opposite, and, and that it would be what I would suggest. Uh, sometimes you do change jobs, but it, it depends. My main thing is to find the exact cause, and then do the opposite. Well, that's really good advice, and a lot of times people don't want to do the, I guess, the mirror work or the introspection and look in the mirror and right. say, 
What's causing what's causing my what's problems? Causing this? What is really causing this? But they need to they need to identify that. Like you yes. said, uh, yes. that's the key, identifying it. And once you've identified it, let's you know, do the opposite. Do the it's, opposite. There you go. Yeah. It's surprising, but it actually works. It's just it's uh, it's physics. It's old, it's a universal law of physics. Uh, for a reaction, there is an opposite equal reaction, reaction, and that's that's really what it's based on. Now, the next, the third one, which is really uh, really along the same lines, is called positive social communication. And the definition of this just simply means when two people talk, whether you're business at work, a coworker, a boss, uh, an employee, uh, or or friends, family, uh, or the store, a store clerk. Positive communication means that both people feel better at the end of the conversation. That's it. It's as simple as that. And, and, and the reason for this is a study they did in 1917. There was a group of nuns in the nunnery, and they were asked to journal. In other words, they write down how they felt, what they did during the day. And they would write down, oh, I had a wonderful lunch. We the birds and the, the trees and so forth. It was a beautiful day. Or they write, oh, horrible day. I made all kinds of mistakes. I got in trouble. I did this wrong. And they put all the, the words, whatever they were feeling. 2017, a group of researchers looked at those journals and counted up the positive and the negative words. That's all they did. Just counted them up. And they came up with a ratio for each of these people, there may be a hundred of them. And the ratio said, is it, is it more positive words or neutral or are there more negative words than positive words? Just the ratio. The, 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 the women that had a positive ratio lived 9.8 years longer than those with a negative ratio. Wow. That's, that's amazing. I read that. I, I heard it. It was a psychologist over at Harvard. I heard this and I thought, that's impossible. <laughs> that's, that's better than our cancer treatments. Uh, and I looked it up. Sure enough, it's on the right page. It was up there on the top. And I, it was the source. I went right to the source. 9.8 years just from thinking, saying, writing, and talking more positive words than negative. And, and so uh, it, it's a really powerful uh, connection between your words, your thinking, uh, and your health. And, and it's, it's pretty simple to do. I mean, you just use more positive words and negative. Of course, you can't go crazy and use everything positive. That doesn't make any sense. But you just got to stay away from negative, negative ratio. And, and then, for example, you see it on the news. The, news uh, flash, I mean, they're just so negative. And the people, they're frowning, their voice is elevated, they, 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 they sound stressed, they sound negative, and as what happens is negative emotions cause stress. And stress causes supportance all, we just went through that. What it called it, they, they have a shortened life. And, and so this positive communication, it just means, <laughs> you know, when you're, you're in a store, or, or, or buy a restaurant or something, just use positive words. There's no reason to be angry, even if something happens, you know. Uh, just, again, positive words. And this can be neutralized. The good news is it can be neutralized. For example, 
Uh, in the ratio, uh, if you have uh, on a TV, a screen, a, um, a newscast that uses lots of negative words, if you turn them around and use three positive words for every one of those negative words, it will neutralize it. So you can actually turn it around. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Nowadays, I tend not to listen to the total news program. I mean, I enjoy listening to something like 60 Minutes where it's educational um, because it's facts, but it's not, you know, the emotion's not interjected into like it's horrible, it's good, unless okay. you, you be the judge. But when you, like you said, when the news or um, commentators start yeah. getting emotional and negative, yeah. it affects you, it, it affects the oh. public. And, and unnecessarily and creates yes. more more anger, more stress. More anger, more stress. And it does. And they just recent studies have shown exactly that. And, uh, and so that, that's really important. I call it the positive uh, social interaction. And, and, and negative, here's, here's negative ones, for example, among friends or family uh, or a cocktail party. You go to a, a party and you'll get the one up. A conversation going. Uh, you say, hello, how are you doing? And, oh, I had a great time at this event. And then the other person will come, oh, boy, you ought to hear what I did, you know, and then they give you this big, huge thing. And you, you automatically put on the defense. You say, oh, geez, now i got to think of something. i got to, you know, it, it, it's work. <laughs> so that's not a positive, positive interaction. A really, just, and I call this one destructive interaction, is you come home, you're all excited about a big event, you're gonna have a big party or something, you tell your spouse about it, and the spouse says, Oh, while you were having fun, I was working, and you know, what's that gonna cost you? You know, and, and you just this anger. The other person's mad, that upsets you. Now you got two people angry. And that's what I mean by destructive uh, interaction. And you, you don't need to just really try to avoid it. And it's, it is interesting how one person a comment because they don't feel like they're happy well, they're can crazy. destroy the happiness <laughs> of the other person they do. yeah i mean people like that you know something happened to them i mean they got mad during the day i mean they're just not going to say something like that and they don't really down deep they didn't mean to do it but they got somebody yelled at them a couple hours before or something like that and you're the victim of that but still there's no reason to do it and a positive uh, communication, that's sort of the third sort of uh, positive event is balance. It gives you balance in life you, so you can make your money and you can have your good life, but uh, you don't have this negative part of your life. And it really interferes with your health. I mean, that's really what this is all about, is interfering with your health. Right. It's, I mean, and not only when you have that a negative conversation, you're affecting your own health. And the person you're communicating with, <laughs> you're decreasing their lifespan and your own lifespan. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, some of the news the way it is nowadays, it has changed uh, tremendously over the past five to ten years. Uh, is doing that? It's affecting the health of uh, people. I mean, if you watch the news at ten o'clock at night and go to bed at eleven, oh my goodness, it just, it's all it's so negative. It, it's not healthy. It's not. It's so. Uh, you're, you're right, you're right. So there you go. That's, that's three or four of them. Well, I'm gonna, we're going to take a, a quick break sure. and come back to Dr. Epler. 
um, and uh, hear a little bit more about his Epler Code, the 15 principles to mm -hmm. happiness and better living. And um, we'll be right back after this break. My business has lost its upward momentum. I'm working up to 14 hours a day, but my sales seem to have plateaued. I'm so overwhelmed. I used to have that same problem, but ever since I found the Balanced Millionaire Consulting Firm, our sales and profits have risen sharply. Even our staff is more engaged, and the atmosphere is full of energy. I have no time to work on my business to develop new sales and marketing strategies. I would love to expand, have strategic partnerships, and access to financing. You can do all of that and more. The Balanced Millionaire Consulting Team advises you on streamlining your operations, establishing alliances, and most importantly, increasing your revenues and profits. Let us help you build value and reduce stress in your business. Take charge. Don't let your business control your life. Visit TheBalancedMillionaire.com or call 442-224-0160 for a free consultation. That's 442-224-0160 or TheBalancedMillionaire.com. I am Eileen Mendel, founder and CEO of The Balanced Millionaire. Who are we and what is our mission? We are a strategic business advisory firm dedicated to advancing leadership and business growth. Listen to what our clients have to say about us. I was blessed to meet Eileen. She has done numerous things for my business, from giving me professional advice to introducing me to new connections and going as far as finding me new team members. I cannot say enough about her and her business for the help they have given to my company. I've been working with the Balanced Millionaires team. They've helped me in setting up a concrete plan to get my business to the next level. Eileen is a cheering, inspiring and benevolent advisor. Knowing that she's gone through the same challenges gives me the confidence that I'm on the right track. If you are a growing seven or eight figure business that is ready to reach new heights, contact us at info at thebalancedmillionaire.com. That's info at thebalancedmillionaire.com. Hi, we're back from our break. I have Dr. Gary Epler with me, and we're talking about the Epler Code, how to live your best life. So, Gary, uh, what are some of the other points that uh, we need to know about to live a healthy and happy life? Well, my big three, uh, everybody's big three. We've heard about them since uh, we were born, and we've heard about them for, uh, since uh, people have been alive. We all eat, sleep, and exercise. Uh, let's start with, with sleep because that's a, that's a real easy one. You have to have eight hours, and you have to have eight. You can't have six. You can't have ten. Just eight. And here's the science. The science is pretty straightforward. It has to do with the brain, a chemical called adenosine. That's the energy chemical, and that winds down during the day. It's just a natural event. You use it for energy and brain energy, and by the time the night comes around, it's gone. And you need eight to charge it up. Six is not enough. You're going to be left a little short the next day. So that's number one. But number two, I just found out this recently. You have to have dream sleep. It's the REM, the REM sleep. It's the rapid eye movement, the sort of dream sleep. And you need that two hours 
And the two hours occur at that six to eight hours, not at the beginning, at the end. And so you got to stay in bed and get that eight hours. And here's what dream sleep does. It gives us human quality. It gives us empathy, gives us kindness, and gives us love. And if you don't have those two hours, if you don't, and you know people that be sleep deprived, well, they're a little cranky. They're a little on edge. They're quick to temperature, temper, and they may even be mean. They miss those qualities. And so there you go. I mean, you got to get eight hours. And 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 I give this seminar in business in businesses, and guys will come up. They brag about, oh, I only need six. They brag about this. Sure, they think they only need six. They're running at 60% of their capability, their real peak performance. They don't even know it. I mean, the, the, the things they could do if they got eight hours, it's just amazing. Uh, but here they go along in life, with six hours. Eight hours, there you go, I think. So um, can you repeat again the hour? When do we get the, that whim sleep? You get the time? The sleep at the end. <laughs> In the very, hours. That's hard to believe. So, it's, so at the very end, new. before we wake up, is when yeah. we. That's when it. you get it, and you know, you think about it. That's when you're always dreaming, right? I mean, in the mornings, right? That's when you dream, right? right. You dream at night. I mean, you get some of it during the night, but this is new. This is new. The past three or four years came out of Stanford Sleep Letter, uh, and, and it occurs in the last two hours. So, gotta get eight hours. How do we sleep better, though? What are some recommendations? Well, the first one, the first, I call it sleep hygiene. It's kind of an old-fashioned name. But the sleep hygiene, the first thing the first thing is do not fall asleep watching TV for more than uh, 10 minutes. If fall asleep for one hour at 7 o'clock at night, you're not going to sleep. You've complete, there's three sleep cycles we have at night. They're an hour and a half each. And you go deep, you, you go real light, you go deep, you go light. It's just a natural pattern, three of them. And if you sleep for an hour, 45 minutes, half hour watching TV, that's totally disrupted. And, and you won't be able to sleep. You won't be able to get to sleep. That's number one, is, is falling asleep, taking a long nap. Uh, the other, the best way to do it is you, just, you go to bed at a certain time, add eight, and get up. That's, that's, the, that's the way you do it. Uh, the other thing is we really don't eat anything or drink anything after seven at night. I mean, that's three hours. Um, and we get up at five or six, but but you don't have to do that. But it, whatever it is for eight, eight hours. Uh, and those are, those are the main things. Now, you can take a nap. There's an old-fashioned thing. You've heard of power naps way back in the I don't know, 60s, 70s, 80s or something. And those are 10 minutes. You can take 10-minute nap. It will not disrupt anything. And it'll give you a little burst of energy. There's nothing wrong with a 10-minute nap, uh, but not longer than 20 minutes because then it'll disrupt it. Okay. And, and no pill. No pills. Oh, you don't need sleepy pills. If if people have trouble falling asleep, which obviously we're going to happen, it's happened to me and just can't sleep, there's about three, four, five ways I do it. Number one, you hypnotize yourself. Uh, you start with your toes or your, your, your eyelids, relax your eyelids, relax your face, relax your shoulders, relax your arms, your fingers, your abdomen, your chest, your legs, and your toes. And you just slowly just keep saying that to yourself. Do it once or twice, and you, you probably find that fall asleep before you get the second time. The other one is to count from 100 down to 90, 100, 99, 98, real slow. 
uh, like you're, you're going to have surgery or something. And, and, and by the time you do that two or three times and you're often, often asleep, those are a couple of tricks. Um, the other one is to, uh, is to sort of meditation from 25 down to, uh, down to one. Uh, and so those are a couple of ways to, to fall asleep. Now, you also mentioned the meditation, the um, alpha meditation. How do you know that you're an alpha meditation? What are some of the indications that you reach that? Yeah, this is kind of cool. I didn't realize this until recently. Uh, meditation, I call it alpha brainwave time because we have four or five different alpha, we have four or five different brain rhythms. But the one you and I are in right now and the Douglas are in is, is called beta. It's about 14 cycles per second. And then when you go down to dream sleep, you're about 10 cycles per second, that's alpha. And deep in regular sleep is theta, which is around seven or eight. Deep sleep is four, it's called delta, four cycles per second. You only need 15 minutes of that. Uh, but uh, the alpha and theta, if you can be awake during that time, that's meditation. If your eyes are open, and I do eyes open meditation, I, I can't sit. I'm too hyper to sit with my legs that way. I can't even do that. Uh, and so I do eyes open. I'm on the treadmill and I kind of look into that the TV screen that is uh, without anything on it. And, and then just kind of space out. You know you're an alpha rhythm when you see, because your your senses are going to be different in alpha rhythm because now you're at a different brainwave. And so the, the vision, the hearing, the feel, the touch, uh, the smell, taste, everything's going to be a tiny bit different because you're at a different level. And the vision, it's its kind of a blue uh, haze around things. Uh, and it's, it's like when you look at an object and you take your eyes away after 30 seconds, you still see that object. That's kind of, you know you're in alpha when you do that. Theta is you don't hear anything. You, you just you don't really see anything. It's just kind of a blob, and you don't hear anything, you don't feel anything, uh, don't taste anything, smell anything. That's theta. You're still not weak, but uh, yeah, that's really cool. When you do that. Now, a lot of people complain that, um, and I'm probably one of them. It's harder and harder to sleep as you get older. What's what's causing that? I don't, I don't know. I don't think I don't, people may say that, but I think it's the same thing. They probably fall asleep watching TV or something. And it's just, they have nothing to do with it. Nothing. There's, no, there's nothing, no science that says you can't sleep as well at 90 or 100 as you can at 30 or 40. No, that's just, people say that. <laughs> so, sleep. Now, let's get to, let's get to nutrition and exercise. Nutrition. Here's here, here's my story with nutrition. It's it's not a diet. Diets are the biggest cause of weight gain in America. Every one of them work, no matter what they are. You always lose weight. But about three years later, you've gained not only the weight you had before, but another extra 10, 20, 30, maybe even 40 pounds. I mean, that's a catastrophe. And, and the science behind that is you reset the, meta the metabolic center in the brain permanently from a diet. So diets are not good. They're, they're not good at all. I call it a lifestyle. And my lifestyle is real simple. Here's the formula. Eat the right foods in the right amount at the right time and prepared in a healthy manner. That's it. Those four things. If you can do that, 
you live another 20, 30 years. If if you have those four components at birth, you, a person will live 140 years just from that, that formula. And it's not an easy formula to follow. It, it's almost impossible. With current today, it's almost impossible to follow that. Uh, and here's why. The right foods are foods that don't cause inflammation. Remember that cortisol release thing? Causes cortisol release, inflammation, inflammation is arteries and, and, and strokes and heart attacks, diabetes, high blood pressure, and cancer. Inflammation causes cancer. And it's the same with foods. Foods that cause inflammation are going to cause the same thing. And there's three of them. There are foods with added sugar. Added sugar, not natural sugar. Added sugar. Foods with added salt. Again, we get plenty of salt in all the foods. We get plenty of sugar in foods. Even chicken has, has sugar in it. We get plenty of sugar and plenty, plenty of, 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 of sodium, of salt. And the third one, processed omega-6 fats. Now, these are processed foods. It turns out omega-6 uh, is a fat that's, that's inflammatory, causes inflammation. Omega-3 is anti-inflammatory. And so that, that's a good one. But O6, especially processed 6, uh, is not good. And, and so those, that's the lifestyle. So strive to eat as many foods without those three things. Uh, will just gives you energy. It, it makes you feel good. The reason it makes me feel good is because I know I'm not eating food that's going to hurt me. And that's a nice feeling. So that's, uh, that's my nutrition formula. And a lot of people go out to eat these days because they have two working uh, spouses or both working. Um, they don't have time to prepare a healthy meal. Uh, what can they do to stay away from all this Sugar, salt, and, and yeah, omega-6 fats. Sugar, salt, and omega-6 fats. It's hard. It's hard. For example, for breakfast, uh, you can you can you go out and you get a couple eggs. You can get some bacon. You get the sausage. Uh, and, and then you get the potatoes. You know, they used to fry potatoes or hash browns or something. And then they always give you these potatoes. Uh, and then you have a, have a big, huge glass of orange juice or something. Well, that, that, that kind of is a typical breakfast. But, but that is... You just have to start changing things around. So instead of having the potatoes have some fruit, you know, fresh fruit, not not from a can or anything, just just a banana or something straight out of whatever it is. And, and instead of a huge glass of orange juice, you got to have a tiny one because there's a lot of sugar in orange juice. Yes, it's natural sugar, but it's it's just a lot, and the system can't take that much. But it can take just a little bit of it. And, and then instead of uh, bacon or sausage or something, just don't really need it. Just don't really need that. Uh, and then eggs, uh, that, that, that comes and goes. We're supposed to be able to be okay with eggs. And it turns out there's a study just came out this last week or two that said, oh, eggs will cause uh, um, high blood pressure and diabetes and so forth. And it turns out that it does in people that are already not so healthy. If you start out healthy, it doesn't. <laughs> but if you're kind of not very healthy, a little overweight, a little this and a little that, then eating eggs is not so healthy. Uh, but if you're if you healthy weight, you work out, you get your sleep, then it, then it doesn't hurt. But that's what you do. You just have to experiment around, and you literally, and you get bread, you get toast maybe without butter. Uh, 
and it can't have margarine because that has uh, trans fats in it. You just eliminate that one, and you certainly eliminate salt in a shaker. You just don't need it, you, so you don't need that at all. I mean, salt in foods was preservative thousands of years ago. It wasn't for taste. And, and so eliminate that shaker. And sugar, the same, eliminate that white sugar. Those are some simple things that, that they may take. You may have withdrawal symptoms for a couple of days, but it's, it's easy to do once you do those things. Those are easy ones. Uh, but it, it gets to the point where it really gets hard. I mean, even ketchup has sugar in it. And, and, and there's sugar just everywhere. And you just have to be aware of it and just try to keep it uh, down as much as you can. And, and you can actually say, well, a couple of eggs, I just don't add salt. You know, you tell them. So that's, you just, that's what it is. That's what it, there you go. So you're saying that uh, the average family, you know, has to eat a healthy, start out with a healthy breakfast. How about when you're at work and there's not much choice for lunch? I mean, you could bring some a sandwich or uh, something you could heat up in the microwave. What's the healthiest uh, meals for, for lunch and for dinner? Or do you want to eat a heavier meal at dinner time or what do you yeah, recommend? We always, we always have, by tradition, been eating a healthy meal at dinner time. Uh, it's really, it's not, it's not really that too good to eat that big healthy meal. It's just better to eat three regular sized ones. Uh, for lunch, you get rabbit food. <laughs> you can have a, have a stack of carrots, stack of celery, uh, some olives, uh, and, and some tomatoes uh, and, and an apple. I mean, it's all, I mean, fed rabbit food, but uh, you can have that for lunch and put some hummus on there, uh, some organic hummus, uh, and, and that, that can serve as lunch. And, and dinner uh, is, is it, it's okay. I'm, I don't have any problem with this idea of fish and meat and eggs and all that. Uh, as long as it's organic and free range, a farm-raised food is not healthy. It's omega-6 uh, uh, because uh, these, the beef and cattle can't run around. The fish are pinned up in, in these little pens. They can't move. And their muscles are just omega-6 muscles instead of omega-3 muscles. And, and so farm-raised and chickens and, and, and eggs for chickens, they're just they're sitting there in a little thing. They don't get to run around. Uh, that's not healthy. And it's not healthy for those, for those animals. And they, and they have omega-6 instead of omega-3. And uh, you said the portion size... Oof. For the dinner, it should always be oh. about equal to what you had for lunch. Yeah, I really, a portion size, when you're 18, I mean, you, you can have doubles and triples, and that's just, and you're, it's burned up by the time you leave the table. I mean, it's not, but not at age 40. You cannot do that. It's half. It's really literally half, 40 and 60 and 80 years old. I mean, it's just amazing how little food we need. Uh, it's, it's just a crazy how little food we need. I mean, just a little bit of a handful of food because our metabolism gets so efficient. <laughs> and it's crazy, but it gets efficient. It gets better and it gets so good that it, it turns all this into, into fat cells and, and so into fat. Uh, so it's, uh, it's just the quantity is, is much smaller than most people think. And, and so it's, using small plates helps and just no seconds. It's scanning the seconds. And you don't eat after seven, those kind of things. And do you add some carbs as well as uh, 
carbs. I don't uh, have any trouble with them. Uh, whole grains are really good, and white bread is being processed. It's useless. Processed things are not good. You know, whole grains are. I think they're great. I don't have any trouble with them. Uh, and beans and legumes and and, uh, and potatoes. <clears throat> the biggest problem with potatoes is quantity. You can't eat one. And fried foods, you just don't do fried foods uh, because of uh, the omega-6. But but potatoes, you just a tiny little portion. I mean, that's the problem with potatoes. You can't eat a tiny little portion of potatoes. You eat these big, huge mound of potatoes. It's just kind of the way it is. Uh, but uh, potatoes are, are the number one thing in America as far as the food goes. And it's the number one cause of, uh, of weight gain. Uh, but it's because of the, the quantity. It just, it just have to keep it to a small quantity. Let's, let's move on to exercise um, oh. because we just have a few minutes left for yeah, our exercise. interview. But this is very interesting. So talk to us more about uh, the need for exercise and the types of exercise. Yeah, exercise is one of my favorite. Uh, it's, my, it's my favorite for, for one, two or three reasons. Number one, it absolutely gives you energy. It's just fantastic. Like, like this morning, I work out for an hour, and it gives me energy till now. Right now, I got all these tons of energy just because of that exercise, and I mix it up. Uh, like, the, for example, this morning, I do two or three miles on the treadmill, and then I, I go over and do some yoga stretches for about 10, 15 minutes, and then I do some weights. And today, I did upper, so you do the biceps, the triceps, the chest. And the back, the main thing is the back. You've got to increase the muscles in that back and neck because of the computer round shoulders. Oh, that's an awful look. Uh, you know, we spend so much time on the computer. Our shoulders are rounded because those chest muscles are tight. And, and you've got to strengthen those back muscles So, and posture uh, exercises. So I do that uh, every day, but I mix them up. And some days I go swimming. Some days I do a uh, bike. And some days uh, spin class, and because I love the social part of it. I mean, that's why I work out in the gym because you get to meet people and talk to people, and, and the social part is just great. Uh, so that that that's my routine. My wife has identical routine. She does all the dance and all the classes, <clears throat> and it gives you a huge huge amount of energy. And the second is it, it decreases stress. And so those are the two big ones. But my favorite. I was training for the New York Marathon many years ago on the Charles River here in Boston, 5.30 in the morning, and I saw someone come in my direction. And I made a U-turn, and she had her mace ready, and it was Joan, my wife, <laughs> and she was running the other direction. Uh, and we started talking, and, uh, and we had our first date uh, down at Cheers, the television show, uh, many years ago, and we've... Uh, run together and stay together. We uh, continue to run every day and and we uh, are running a, a half marathon coming up and we're running the film with Robin. So uh, exercise is just uh, really a part of my life. And you are also a coach as well. Oh yeah, that was fun. I just absolutely loved that. I got to do the uh, soccer and Started out when the kids had two boys, and so we started soccer there three or four. I got the coach, and I got to learn right along with them. I took the coaching sessions, <laughs> learned how to coach, and then uh, did hockey. And uh, it was just phenomenal experience. I absolutely loved it. Just great. 
Is there a certain time of day when we should be doing the exercise? Uh, for me, it's morning. Uh, it's, uh, it, you can do it any time. For me, the reason I do it in the morning is because I just get out of bed. I have my exercise and my shorts and top there and my socks, and I just kind of put my sneaks on. I'm not totally out of it. I can't hardly even see straight. Uh, but you know, I just get in a car, drive over there, and pretty soon I'm back to normal. And it's just for me, it's just like you know, brushing your teeth and things like that. You haven't eaten, so that's not a problem. And you just have your water and drink a thing of water. Uh, it's just perfect for me for morning, and <clears throat> my wife does in the morning. And there's a group that does it in the afternoon after work because it kind of breaks up their day. Uh, but I find that hard because you just never know when you're going to finish. You uh, you might have had a snack or something. Uh, it's just more complicated at night, and sometimes you don't do it because things come up. And so I, I, I do it in the morning. And that's that's what I do. I exercise in the morning. Like you said, you could just roll out of bed, put your sneakers on, yep, yep. You know, put your gym shorts and sneakers it. on and go. You go. That's it. <laughs> it's just fantastic. I mean, it, of all the things, that's probably one of the best things. It just gives you a phenomenal life. It just is. And it just becomes such a habit. And not only that, you get a little bit of endorphins. Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's. Our, our, our brain is capable of making almost all the drugs available in the pharmacy, and it, and it does it without overdose, and it does it without any side effects. <laughs> and uh, that's a perfect example. Endorphins is just a wonderful thing. And then when you, when you have have the class, you get the oxytocin, the bonding hormone. I mean, you get to you get to meet lifelong friends. It's just fantastic. Just great. So I want to. Um, we only have a few more minutes left, and um, I know you're writing a new book for business, yep. the Epler Code for Increased Productivity and Sales. Yep. Um, can you tell us a little bit more? Or give us a little preview on what that's going to cover. Well, that preview is is going to be these these fifteen principles applied in business, and that's what I meant by outcome. That number one, these are science based. They're not just opinions. They're science based. Uh, and in the productivity and the uh, outcome, uh, for example, uh, that uh, that positive code I talked about, that positive ratio, they took a group of, of miners, which is a pretty rough group of people. <laughs> they had that uh, positive code of 1.2, uh, the SARNA code, it's called the uh, positive to negative word ratio of 1.2. They uh, talked about it in classes and sessions and so forth, talked about it increased that up to 3.2 and had a 40% increase in productivity. And just that little <clears throat> that little part of it right there, a 40% increase in productivity is just phenomenal on the bottom line. I mean, that's, that's millions and millions of dollars. And so that's what the book will be about. And when do you expect the book to come out? Oh, it'll be a year or two. <laughs> it'll be a year. I do the old-fashioned way, one page a day. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it'll be a while, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's what it's about. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, Gary. Um, can you tell our listeners how to follow your work? Uh, where can they get more information on the um, the Epic Code and um, a lot of the uh, things that you've just talked about? Oh, sure. It's on the, on the site, uh, Gary Epler. Uh, that's really easy. Just Gary and Epler, E-P. L-E-R, 
uh, com. That'll give you all the information about a live with help, uh, a live with life book uh, and all that sort of thing. And then my other site, Epler Health, uh, and we talk about uh, some of these uh, business issues. And so, and, and, and you can get the book uh, Amazon, obviously, but you get the book through my site, I'll, I'll sign it and send a little note. So it's a special little thing there. Well, thank you very much for being on our show today. It's been a pleasure to hear all the information that you've done some, you know, you've done research on and that has been proven to increase our well-being, our happiness, uh, bringing us uh, better uh, health and also um, giving us a, a better, uh, like you said, a better productivity and uh, creativity. So these are very, very important for anyone, not just someone in the business world. And um, we really appreciate uh, your having uh, your being on the show. Thank you so much, Gary. Well, it's just been great, Eileen and and uh, Douglas. It, 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 it's just fantastic life. It's just phenomenal. And if you can live a life with high energy and creativity and and, and just excitement, positive experiencing, and extraordinary people. I mean, that's what happens. And it's just phenomenal every single day. Well, that's the end of our show. Stay tuned for our show in a couple of weeks. And we'll be looking forward to hearing any comments. And uh, thank you very much uh, for tuning in. Thank you for tuning into The Balanced Millionaire with your host, Eileen Mendel, CEO of InnerEdge International, business consultant, multimedia marketing expert, renowned speaker and author. Connect with Eileen Mendel, The Balanced Millionaire. Increase your confidence, creativity, balance, awareness, direction, motivation, and catapult your business to the next level and beyond.